0: Welcome to ECDHR in conversation on political prisoners in the UAE. We hope that through this series you will get a better understanding of the human rights situation in the UAE which will cover freedom of expression, political prisoners, and the grossly unfair mass UAE-94 trial that imprisoned dozens of activists solely for peacefully exercising their rights to freedom and association. Our speakers will help us to reveal the truth about human rights violations in the UAE given their personal experience and expertise on the subject. Thank you for joining us in today's episode. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Hello and welcome to ECDHR in Conversation. In this new series, the European Centre for Democracy and Human Rights presents a podcast on political prisoners of the United Arab Emirates. Today, we will be talking about the famous case of the UAE 94 and the massive impact it had on both the UAE and the world. Joining us today to talk about this topic is someone who lived it personally, Hamad Al Shamsi. Hamad is an Emirati social media activist on Twitter and one of the 94 activists known as UAE 94 convicted in 2013 for having openly criticized the Emirati government and launched a petition for democratic reform. Before seeking refuge in Turkey, where he still lives, he was the manager of internal auditing in Ashman Municipality in the UAE. Thank you so much for joining us today, Hamad. It's a great pleasure and a true honor for us to have you here today.
1: Thank you very much. Uh, Thank you for having me in your episode and in the podcast.
0: Thank you. Um, so we will start from the very beginning. Um, we have to think that this, in this podcast uh, we might have listeners who are not familiar at all with the case UAE-94, so we will try to explain to them in simple words what it is. So what are the UAE-94 and what exactly are they accused of?
1: Well, uh, the UAE 94 actually is the name of the largest political trial in the United Arab Emirates. And it's named 94 because actually the, uh, they accused 94 people in that trial. Uh, and what happened exactly is that in the summer of 2012, the UAE authority started a large scale of a crackdown on a lot of activists in the United Arab Emirates. Uh, some of some of whom are actually human rights activists, uh, university professors, uh, media uh, professionals, a lot of these kind of people, uh, and they start arresting uh, these people. Uh, some of whom actually, Dr. Mohammed Arkin, he's very famous. Uh, uh, person uh, internationally, uh, also Dr. Hadefolovis. All of the, all of these people actually were part of that crackdown, uh, and they are accused of uh, plotting to overthrow the government. This is the main uh, accusation uh, against uh, these uh, people. And maybe something I need to add here that these people are actually all of them are from the Al-Islah movement in the United Arab Emirates. Maybe some people say, why Al-Islah people? Why only these people were targeted by the government? And maybe a a little explanation uh, of that will make it clear to the other people. uh, That Al-Islah movement uh, was actually existed or has existed in the United Arab Emirates since the 17th and, uh, and they had no problem. Until the millennium, when the millennium started, the uh, government started to restrict their activities, uh, their social uh, movement, a lot of their institution that they managed, the government uh, started to, you know, all took over these uh, institutions. Uh, then a group of these people, of the 90 of the Islam movement, uh, uh, realized that without a political participation, uh, there is no freedom in the, uni- in the United Arab Emirates. And there will, ne- there will never be a freedom in the United Arab Emirates unless there is a political participation. Uh, So what they have done is that they prepared a petition. They called people to sign that petition. And that petition is none for the uh, petition of March, 3rd of March. A lot of people signed this petition. Almost around 130 people signed this petition. This act uh, and this petition was actually sent directly to the rulers of the government, uh, the seven rulers of the Emirates. And this petition, And this act, the government uh, uh, observed it as a way to overthrow the regime and to change the system of the United Arab Emirates, which they did not like.
0: Okay, thank you. It's it's way clearer now. Um, And so we talked a bit about the motives of why this UAE 94 were arrested. Um, And we also understood that they were, you know, fabricated, that they were not real motives. Um, But I would like also to talk about the conditions of arrest and imprisonment, because they were also unlawful, right? So could you tell us more about the conditions in which the trial took place?
1: Yes, certainly. Um, uh, All prisoners of conscience in the United Arab Emirates uh, are arrested according to the state security law. Which allows the state security uh, apparatus to detain suspect in detention center affiliated with the state security for, yani, for unlimited period of time. Sometimes up to one year, sometimes up to two years. There is no limit. For example, Dr. Muhammad Rakan was detained 237 days. In a, in a detention center that affiliated to the state security, uh, Ahmed Al Gheit, another uh, defendant in that trial, was actually detained three hundred forty-seven days, almost a year, in a detention center that affiliated with the state security. And in such state, in, in, in such detention center, you have no right at all. I mean, you have no access to the outside world. You have no access to the family members. You have no access to your lawyer. And by the way, you stay in that solitary confinement. You have no contact with other people. So this is the way they kept these people uh, for a period of time, almost 100, almost a year. Uh, and after almost seven months to a year, they uh, started to uh, move these uh, detainees to another prison, to another prisons such as the uh, presence of Al-Wafba and the presence of Al-Razin. So uh, from the start, it was uh, a breach uh, to the law, to the human rights uh, uh, yani, uh, laws, yes.
0: Yes, exactly. So uh, for people that are listening to us, you have to understand that being held like this incommunicado for a very long time, or not having access to a lawyer is totally illegal regarding the human rights conventions and international law. Um, And so the members of the group that are known as the UAE 94, they were convicted in 2013. Um, And why do you think that the UAE government decided to simultaneously arrest more than 90 people? And do you think that there was Specific event, something specific that triggered these arrests at this specific time.
1: The petition of third of March, the trigger, most likely. I mean, the government uh, uh, thought that it is a threat to the to their government. I mean, they have the full power. They have uh, they they did not share that power to the people, so they would like to keep that kind of power. So I believe the third of March petition was the trigger. Uh, And as I mentioned earlier, uh, the uh, people who were behind it, behind that petition was the al-Islah movement. And they started to try to uh, eradicate the al-Islah and punish everyone in al-Islah because of that. Okay.
0: And um, of course, you will not be able to describe specifically the cases of all 94 individuals that uh, we are talking about, but maybe you could quickly update us on the situation as of today. How many individuals are, uh, have been released? How many are still behind bars? Uh, are there other trials that will take place in the future? How is the situation today?
1: Yes, uh, the UAE ninety four has ninety four defendants. Uh, the authorities sentenced eight of them in abstinenceia to fifteen years. Uh, I was fortunate enough to be in that uh, from that group. Uh, Fifty six people to ten years and five people to seven years in prison. Uh, the five people actually uh, has completed their sentence two years ago, and uh, however, unfortunately, the government did not release them. Uh, by in fact, they released only one of them. And they kept the other four in the prison even though they have completed their sentence. And you know the problem is not that det- the, det- the detention by itself, but you know uh, the punishment of the families and the childrens of the detainees, uh, 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 many of the detainees' families has been punished, has been actually withdrawn from their citizenship. for example, Amran Rodwan. Uh, he has uh, two children the government i mean deprived their citizenship al Salam darwish uh, has six children the government deprived their citizenship so the punishment of the family this is this is kind of collective punishment that the government is trying to do uh, over the detain- detainees uh, Maybe someone will ask why why the government will do so why the government will ask will will punish the family uh, in general uh, and uh, I believe that the government was what was trying to do is to collapse the detainee in the detention center and try to destroy his life after he get out of prison if he get out of prison after ten years he will have no citizenship his family member will be in a very a poor situation. So they are trying de- to destroy him totally. And this is the message not to the detainees and to to their families, but I believe this is the message to the rest of the society. Anyone now in the society would like to speak up, would like to speak up about having an election, for example, in the UAE, he will see this kind of people, this kind of treat uh, to these detainees. Uh, uh, will be his future and uh, why they are punishing the families because most of the people are not afraid for themselves but they are afraid for their families and children so they are trying to punish the family to send a message to the other people not to speak just obey whatever we tell you and do whatever we tell you
0: and I mean when you hear this it's just you know horrible and you think uh what can these people do? I can imagine that, of course, within the UAE, there must not be a lot of legal options that you have against the government because the government is so powerful. But are there more like uh, international instances that the UAE-94 have reached out to? Or um, how, is, how can justice be obtained in this case, let's say?
1: It is very difficult to have justice. You know, every every government has its own border and will not allow other people to interfere like from different entities, like even especially from outside. Uh, but uh, a lot of human rights organizations, human rights war to the Amnesty, uh, even the European Parliament recently issued, a, I mean, um, a resolution that, you know, uh, condemned the UAE human rights situation. But in fact, they have no authority to force the UAE to obey the human rights uh, any, um, uh, rules or laws. Um, um, how the how that can be obtained? Uh, maybe a lot of the pressure from the, uh, from the European Union, from the, uh, let's say that uh, from uh, another entities, human rights organization, the UN, uh, might put a lot uh, enough uh, enough pressure to just uh, force the UAE to obey and to release these detainees.
0: Yeah, let's hope that uh, the uh, case is raised enough on the international community for them to, you know, put pressure on the government. And speaking about that, um, the UAE ninety four is now a symbol on the international scene. On the struggle of human rights defenders on the UAE and why do you think that this specific case gained so much attention and became representative of the whole country
1: because of the large number of defendants in that case most likely uh, a lot of these uh, defendants is uh, uh, non-internationally for example mohammed al has received a lot of awards human rights awards and he's he's very famous guy all over the world, um, uh, Doctor Hadefelovitz. He is, I mean, he graduated from Harvard and from Dortmund. I mean, he, they are very famous, and a lot of pe- a lot of these defendants uh, and the accused uh, are uh, either human rights activists, uh, lawyers, um, university professors. They are very peaceful activists in the UAE. Uh, that's why uh, most likely I assume uh, this case has been um, taking a lot of attention from the other part of the world.
0: I also was wondering because, you know, this case, as we just mentioned, got a lot of public attention uh, in Europe, in in North America, and in general in the world. But at the same time, uh, the UAE has a very aggressive uh, public relations campaign and we see that uh, cities such as Dubai or Abu Dhabi are really known for tourism. Um, How do you explain that those two images of the UAE can cohabitate?
1: Yes. Uh, uh, whenever you ask someone about the UAE, they will tell you about uh, Burj Khalifa and Burj al-Arab and the nice building over there. But they do not see oh, what's going on in the human rights level. And this is the problem. Maybe you will not you will not realize what, I mean, if you go as a tourist in the UAE, you will like it. But if you're going to live there, I mean, you will, you will face a problem. Uh, unless you live there with no, if you are, if you are fine with 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 having no right to speak up about other issues, um, and um, I I I think that maybe maybe if the international community realized that not not only money is the you know uh, is important to the people. Uh, I think only then the United Arab Emirates will realize that spending a lot of money or more money they spend will not change the way that the people will treat them uh, there is, there is some conditions if you if you just follow these conditions, you are fine just let let's say human rights uh, if you do human rights and you obey human rights uh, laws. Then you are fine. You spend a lot of money. The system not clean the reality that you are oppressing a big group. or let's, let's say not a big group, any number of a group any number of that group uh, in in your country.
0: Yeah, that is why I think it's so important that you and other people can speak up about how the reality is in this country, and not just you know having the propaganda from the government in a way. And uh, so I have a last question for you for this part of the podcast, because the second episode is coming uh, about your personal story, as you are also uh, a member of the UAE 94. Um, The UAE 94 were imprisoned while trying to advocate for political changes. You mentioned uh, this petition while explaining why this case happened. On a personal level, do do you see any change coming in the UAE in the following years? How do you assess the situation?
1: Unfortunately, no. Uh, I don't see any changes in the coming years. You know, the Emirati regime uh, is holding people. I mean, civil society and institutions are completely suspended in the United Arab Emirates. No people can work in the United Arab Emirates unless the government allow them to do so. Uh, nobody will speak unless the government will allow them to do so. Nobody will tweet unless the government allow allowed them to do so. Uh, and uh, just, you know, uh, even the media, uh, newspapers, there's no public newspaper. All newspapers uh, are controlled by the government. So I don't think that there is a change. Uh, and, you know... We in um, in other side we are a small number. We are only one million out of ten million, and the government is using that. And the government is use, using that imbalance in the demographic to to scare the people, saying that if you have democracy, if you have election, the foreigners will take over the country. So people now starting to get to be afraid. So I don't think that there's any changes. In the recent year, let's say that hope I am wrong in that assumption.
0: We hope so, uh, also. <laughs> uh, thank you so much, everyone, for listening to this episode of ECDHR in Conversation on the UAE 94. Hamad al-Shabzi, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us and making this case more clear uh, for all of us. And um, stay tuned. We will... Uh, see you for another episode next week where Hamad will explain his personal situation thank you so much and see you next week thank you on behalf of ACDHR thank you for joining us and for listening to our podcasts the next episode will be available next Friday In the meantime, don't forget to subscribe to our social media channels if you want to learn more about the human rights situation in the GCC countries.